Hi, everybody. This is That's Criminal with John Stamp. Uh, really excited today uh, to uh, be talking with Mr. Carl De Niro. Uh, Mr. De Niro has, uh, has written a, a book called The Son of Sam and Me, uh, The Truth About Why I Wasn't Shot by David Berkowitz. Now, uh, as we get into it, um, very quickly, I'm, I'm going to go over uh, Mr. Berkowitz. I'll touch on, on him real quick. M many people know David Berkowitz as the uh, self-proclaimed proclaimed son of Sam. Uh, during uh, 1976, 1977, Mr. Berkowitz um, killed uh, six victims, wounded seven, uh, was captured in, uh, in 1977 and arrested and, and indicted, sorry, uh, August, of, August of 77. Uh, currently serving uh, six uh, life sentences. Um, Mr. De Niro, on the night of uh, October 23rd, 1976, uh, him and uh, uh, Miss Rosemary Keenan uh, left a local bar in, uh, in Flushing, Queens, a uh, short drive to a nearby park, uh, sitting in their car, when suddenly gunfire uh, shattered all the windows of the uh, Volkswagen Beetle they're sitting in. Uh, bullets missed Miss Keenan completely. Uh, Mr. De Niro uh, and she fled, uh, returned back to the bar, where at that time, Mr. Nanero reported to his friends that he suddenly wasn't feeling all that hot and collapsed in the, in the bar right there. So what, uh, what we're hoping to talk to uh, Mr. Nanero about today is, is that relationship and, and how that's you know, affected and, and the work that's come out of, of that incident uh, so many years ago. Uh, so Mr. Nanero, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to meet me. Thanks for having me, John. It's a pl pleasure to, uh, to be on your show. Uh, yeah, you pretty much, you, you, you know, the, you pretty much nailed the story. Um, I know it, it, the shooting itself was, um, although it was traumatic, uh, physically traumatic and, uh, but, it, but it really, the story really doesn't start, uh, for a couple of years later. Um, you know, it was just kind of like it started out, you have to realize I was the second victim. So there was no son of Sam when I was shot. Um, so it was, uh, to be honest with you, the uh, cops, uh, uh, the two detectives on my case, one was Rosemary's dad, uh, Red Keenan. Um, he was, uh, as you can imagine, not thrilled that his daughter was involved in a shooting, um, hanging out with a you know long haired hippie like myself. Um, and, uh, being they had nothing else to go on the original the original thought was uh, it was a drug deal gone bad and um you know i, I at back, back then i was a little a little pissed off that they would even think that but um you know as i grew as i got older and realized that uh and i became a dad myself um i realized what this guy went through and uh you know i certainly uh uh you know certainly cut him a lot of slack but um but anyway, uh, I, uh, for the first six months, I was um, basically had to defend myself um, besides dealing with the, uh, the head injuries that I sustained. Um, I had to deal with, uh, you know, the cops and my, and my mother uh, thinking it was a drug deal. Ouch. Yeah. Now, as, yeah. I, under, as I understand it, uh, the, um, the wound left you uh, with, uh, with some, um, some lingering effects. Um, and you, uh, had to, had to get part of your, uh, skull replaced. Is that, is that correct? That, that, that is true. Um, 
yeah, like I said, I got shot in, uh, in October of 76 um, due to, uh, I guess, infections and what have you. They uh, they had, I was in the hospital for three weeks. They uh, sent me home. Uh, at the time, I was 20 years old, living with my mother. And um, I spent uh, the next uh, two months basically being a prisoner in my mother's house. Uh, and I, I don't mean that in a, a bad way, uh, but um, but I wasn't able to go out. So I basically just sat and read books and watched TV and stared out the window, um, trying to figure out, you know, what, what the heck happened. Um, I went in um, in the hospital on January 20th to 77 to get a, a metal plate put in, put in the back of my head to, to replace the uh, part of the skull that was blown away. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, yeah, that, uh, that, that kind of recovery and now, and all the while you're also, um, I imagine having to defend yourself against, uh, Rosemary's dad, who, I mean, she can't, he, the guy shows up on scene and, and his daughter's, you know, been in a car that's been shot multiple times. Uh, yeah. you just, you just started out as it didn't, it didn't matter what the circumstances you were with his little girl when, this went yeah, down. So I, I was in a, you're right. I was in yeah. a bad, uh, bad situation, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You weren't going to, you weren't going to win that one. No. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And as, as I understand it, you had, you had uh, sworn in to the air force like a month beforehand or two yeah. months beforehand. Yeah. August. Uh, I got sworn in um, basically. Uh, let me step back a, 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 a little bit. I, I attended college uh, for uh, two semesters and school just wasn't for me. Um, I'm fairly intelligent, but uh, sitting in a classroom is not my thing. And I dropped out you know, um, after two semesters. Um, so that, that brings us to 75. And I, I just had a series of, uh, you know, like factory jobs. And, uh, and I realized that <clears throat> this is, you know, I, I got to do something um, to, um, you know, some, something with my life besides working in a factory. So I decided to join the Air Force. Um, at the time, I was into photography, and I thought um, that would be uh, pretty good. I get some uh, training from the Air Force and, um, you know, kind of give me some direction in life. And uh, so I signed up. I scored well on the test. And um, I'm assuming because I scored well, not positive of this, but uh, in either case, they gave me a, what they called a deferred, uh, a deferred enlistment. So, um, yeah, so I got sworn in August and my report date was October 28th. And um, as, as you mentioned earlier, I was shot on the 23rd. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that ended uh, quickly ended my uh, Air Force career. I wound up getting an honorable discharge a couple of days later. Uh, my mother had called them and said, he's not showing up for basic training. And, um, you know, a week or two, I'm not even sure when, but a few weeks later, I received an honorable discharge. Wow. Yeah. And you're, and you're still in recovery at this time. It was just a matter of, you know, just not, just not, not, not able, not able. Yeah. Right. Um, well, yeah. thank you for, thank you, uh, anyway, for, you know, for, trying right you got there you, yeah you, you got sworn I, in and it, it all I, got taken away from you yeah, yeah the the uh you know my jokes like the friend around uh saying uh, my 
my friends like to joke around saying, you know, he's, he's the only guy that went into the service and got shot before, before he went into the service. So yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's my claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I imagine that, that humor and, and, um, and I, I might be leaping ahead here a little bit, but, uh, but as you said, you were the second victim of uh, Berkowitz and or uh, and or co-conspirators. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But mm-hmm. at, at the time, it's a it's a shooting in New York City. So you have to defend yourself against the uh, the presuppositions that that came at you. But then you had a period of time where it's it's a you were you were a, you were a, you were shot in New York City. The case goes. Um, but none of this, none of this Mr. Berkowitz issue was a thing for, there was a span of time where it, did, did it all just come crashing at you once they finally stood up a task force and, and recognized something or how, how did it? Yeah. So, so the, the, the timeline was um, basically I'm shot wrong place, wrong time. Um, and uh there was there was no fanfare. I don't even think there was uh, the the major newspapers in New York didn't even cover it because um, you know for for those of you old enough uh, to remember uh, New York City in in '76 was um, well, it's a dangerous time. There was a lot of shootings, a lot of muggings. Uh, uh, the Bronx is burning. Uh, you know, it was it was not a, a good time for New York City. But with that said, um, I grew up in a, a fairly affluent um, neighborhood well, in North uh, North Flushing, which is where I got shot. And uh, all that stuff that you read about was foreign to me and foreign to my neighborhood. Um, you know, we didn't have shootings. Um, we didn't have, you know, buildings weren't being burnt down. Like I said, it was, it was a fairly good neighborhood. Um, so I just chalked it up. I think the police might've looked at it differently because, you know, they look at the big picture and, you know, there's, there's riots and, you know, fires and shootings in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Bronx, um, and even parts of Queens, but not my, my section. So, uh, you know, I guess, the leap uh, to uh, being a drug deal gone awry um, isn't that much of a leap, uh, you know, for, for the police to to uh, to take, you know. Um, so for the next six months, I basically lived that way. It was just wrong place, wrong time. And then uh, March 10th of 77, the mayor, uh, Mayor Beam and uh, Police Commissioner Codd, uh, held a press conference. Now, this is right after the day after the fifth shooting. And um, that's when they they were able to um, uh, put together uh, a case for uh, a serial killer. Um, they although they said they said that it came from the same gun, they really didn't know it came from the same gun. But what they were sure about, it was um, uh, a high caliber uh, um, shoot, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A high caliber bullet. Um, uh, they were able to ascertain on it. I believe four of the cases that it was definitely a 44. Uh, one case they said it might be a 45, but it, um, but the, that that's I, I'm not a ballistics guy, but what I've learned since then is um, that's not a typical bullet uh, that the the average criminal uses. They usually use like a 38. Um, which obviously is smaller than a 44. Um, so March 10th was 
the date that, um, uh, like I said, I, I like to call it Vindication Day um, because th that was the date that that I could tell my mother and the cops and anyone else, anyone else who thought I was involved in a drug deal, um, that uh, I told you it wasn't a drug deal. It was, you know, wrong place, wrong time. But so it was vindication on that front, but it also opened up a whole new can of worms uh, for me. You know, who shot me? Why? Uh, you know, every, every, all the questions you would think um, uh, would be brought up uh, involving a serial killer. You know, like, was I stalked? You know, was I targeted? Was I just random? Um, I've been asking these questions for 45 years. Um, I still don't have a definitive answer believe it or not, but I'm still trying. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it could still be just wrong place, wrong time. He just happened to be him, you know, it's a, uh, cause I, I, I don't know if they ever went into his stalking tactics and all that. And, uh, and it seems like with, uh, with some of the things he said over the years, he wasn't exactly the most trustworthy, um, you know, not exactly the most remorseful or, you know, not somebody who's going to write the, the uh, factual tale of his without a, a bit of grandeur attached to it, like most of them. Um, so, so it was, uh, it seems like on, in that date in March is, it was oddly cathartic. And then at the same time, you're starting all over again, just yeah, wondering exactly. why me, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, and, um, so where did, was there any pressure that came with that once that, once that came out, like were there, were the, the media on you or were the police on you even further? Or were you was um, it like, Hey, guess what? You're a, you, you came, you came within contact with the son of Sam. And now we're moving on, you know, it's, yeah, that it's, it's more like the latter. Um, I, you know, a lot of people are, are uh, asked me this question uh, about, you know, how did I keep up with the case? And uh, my pat answer um, is, is the truth. And that is uh, I kept up with the case like everyone else in New York. I read the papers every day. Um, I had, I had very little interaction. I you know, a couple couple after the the initial uh, detectives visiting me in the hospital the day after I got shot um, I had very little contact with the police um, uh, they did send me at one point they they came to my house and uh, you know gave me a list of suspects uh, basically it was just a list of people who had been arrested in the 109th precinct and um, they asked me if I knew anyone and I'm looking at the list and <laughs> And I knew a lot of them, uh, but they were all, yeah, exactly. But it's not as bad as it sounds. The names that I knew, it was, you know, it was guys that got arrested for stealing a bike. Uh, I think one guy did steal a car, a couple of guys, you know, for public intoxication, um, you know, possession of marijuana, nothing major. And, um, and I said that, you know, there's no one in my life that there's a few people who might want to smack me around, but no one. No one dislikes me that much to shoot me. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, so so that that was probably I don't know, uh, maybe November of '76, two months, uh, a month or two after I got shot. Um, so uh, even even when they had the press conference and they announced it as the serial killer, um, you know, I didn't I, I didn't get a follow up phone call from anyone saying, "All right, you know, you're you're off the hook," or "I apologize," or whatever. Um, so that, that was it. And I just, I just followed the case in the newspapers, um, for, for another, you know, well, uh, I guess about a year after they arrested David Berkowitz, uh, 
then I, I had done a few interviews during this period. Uh, actually, I did a few interviews before they even caught um, the Berkowitz. And um, to be quite honest with you, I'm 20 years old. It was kind of cool to see a picture in the, you know, the front page of the local paper and, uh, you know, uh, the six o'clock news. But I have to say in 1978, it got uh, it got a little bit too uh, hairy for me. Wherever I went, you know, people were like whispering. You know, I'd walk into a bar and people were whispering, that's the guy that got shot by Son of Sam. And uh, it, I, I kind of felt like my identity was being taken away. I was always very outgoing, uh, had a ton of friends. I, you know, I could walk into probably 50 different bars and no, no people there. Uh, not that I'm an alcoholic. I'm just, I just like the social aspect of it. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. but they, it got to the point where it was like, I, this is just too much for me. So I uh, packed up my bags. Uh, at this point, I had a job, uh, an apartment. I gave that all up and uh, moved out to um, California. And I stayed there for two years. And really just to, just to get away from the Son of Sam hysteria. Yeah. Uh, I came yeah. back in the spring of 80 and um, it was perfect timing because every now and then Son of Sam would come up, but it wasn't on everyone's, you know, everyone's lips, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, that was a, my next question is it, if it got to the point, you just had to, had to cut and make that decision that this is not me. I'm, I'm making myself here. Right. And it, and it seems like when, when you told me, you know, your professional background and, and, and how you've, uh, you've uh, made your life for yourself, it seems like you just was like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be put into this category. I'm going to, I'm going to make my own life. And, and yeah, so you just up and moved and, and uh, yeah. let it blow over. Yeah. That was the, yeah, uh, the, the, the move was a big move because, um, you know, I have family and friends here and, um, I liked, I, I still live in New York. I, I like New York, um, uh, moving, moving to, uh, especially at, you know, at this point, I guess I'm 21, uh, you know, moving across the country with, I did have two friends out there, so I wasn't all alone, but, um, it, it was a big move. And I realized in retrospect that that was the beginning of, um, like basically my healing process and slowly transforming myself uh from a victim to a survivor um and I, I didn't even realize the survivor part of it until um oh probably i don't know seven or eight nine years ago very late in life uh i realized I, I think someone mentioned it to me it's like you're not a victim you're a survivor and i thought about it and i said you know you're right and because i've i've never let even though I've stayed interested in the case and I've, I've continued to research and, uh, you know, do other things uh, to um, try to get answers from the case, I, I, I didn't let it affect my life. You know, I, you know, I got married. I, you know, I had a, a good career and had a brokerage house. Um, I was, you know, I'm in a telecom, telecom finance uh, auditor. I've been doing that for 32 years, um, you know, raised my daughter uh, and, uh, and I've had, I've had a very good life. Yeah. And, and I, uh, and I, and I always, uh, very careful with that term victim versus survivor. And you might've noticed I, I stumbled, you know, when, mm -hmm. we, when I was doing the intro saying, uh, that you are, you know, you came in contact with, or you, you were, you were shot by, uh, David Berkowitz, but I, I really, there's a distinction between that. The, you're, you're a, a person's a victim at the time, mm -hmm. but 
they survive the moment they survive that you you start taking those steps forward you're a survivor and i i don't ever want to take it away from somebody because that's more often than not a whole lot of work that people never really give focus or credit to especially i would imagine in the uh, late 70s early 80s there was not such things as critical incident stress there was not such things as uh, you know having the available um the available uh, therapy and and facilities for people to visit to get that help to take those steps um so you, I, I imagine yes yeah you you are 100 correct and don't feel bad for stumbling over it because you know like <laughs> like i said it it took me um unbeknownst to me i i i was a survivor and didn't even realize it until someone pointed out to me and the more i thought about it the more i said you know i am because there there are there are um there are victims of um similar situations uh, even even within this uh, son of sam case that um I, I really hate to say it but some of the, i think some of the people that were shot um and survived are still victims um they they just have not been able to uh, move on with their life and uh, and it's a shame I, I i feel bad for them and i uh, and on the other hand i feel very lucky that um that I, I guess, like I said, I, I, I don't take personal credit for this. I, I, I think it's just part of my DNA and my, you know, I've, al I've always been an outgoing, uh, I'd like to think I'm funny. Um, not everyone <laughs> agrees with that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm always quick with the joke and, um, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like the bar cheers, you know, when Norm walks in, that's the kind of greeting I get when I walk into a bar, Every, you know, Hey, Carl's here you know That's and right. yeah. um yeah so like i said i i guess i really can't take credit for it but um i i, I guess i don't know it was a good tool that uh, that god gave me to handle this yeah yeah especially in in what in what 21 year old and you know, two years out seeing all this fanfare says, nah, I gotta, I gotta move forward. You know, and that's a, sounds like it was an instinctual thing. It was just like, I, I can't be, I can't be labeled as this. I gotta make myself, which is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a strong move for anybody at any time trying to recover from something. Um, so that's, yeah, that, uh, I wanted to uh, make a point of the distinction of that, you know. Um, so I, I apologize for the stumble. That's all right. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, um, like you said, you had a, you had a, a, a long and distinguished career in, in finance and in telecoms. Um, the theory of, of uh, the kind of the basis of your book, um, how I wasn't, why I wasn't shot by David Berkowitz. Um, you mentioned earlier, um, Mari Terry, uh, who started that, uh, and well, well, Berkowitz, uh, you know, in the nineties, he did, he did make statements that said he was part of a cult and that he wasn't the only one pulling the trigger. But like we talked about, it's not it's not like we could take uh, take anything that guy says is gospel. Um, but the your work, your work investigating that that theory. Can, do you mind uh, elaborating on that a little bit? Sure. So. Uh, like I said, I mean, obviously, there was no Internet to uh, to to uh, no Google. Um, so. Uh, there was really nothing for me to do. It, like, again, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Let's move on. And then um, in 1980, I had a, a, a civil case. Uh, myself and all the victims uh, filed a lawsuit, um, you know, just in case Berkowitz made any money, we would get our share. And at that hearing, um, 
one of the lawyers kept saying other people were involved. And I turned to my lawyer and asked, you know, what is he talking about? And uh, he said, ah, oh, he goes, you know, Harry Lipsig, he thinks he thinks other people were involved. And I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. And it, it really, I think there might have been a couple articles in the paper that touched on it. But um, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't take it that serious. Um, and then in, in 1987, a book comes out called The Ultimate Evil, uh, written by the late Maury Terry. And um, I devoured this book in it's 650 pages and I devoured it in, in like, I don't know, oh, I think I, I started reading it Friday night and I finished Saturday afternoon. Um, wow. and, and it was like, that was my introduction to other people were involved. And um, yeah, so, so that's like, you know, it was like mind blowing, but there was no place to go with it. You know, um, yeah. you, you know, I couldn't even really talk about it to my friends. Um, uh, one friend read the book and I was able to talk to him about it, but other people looked at me like I was nuts. Um, and, you know, I got it. <clears throat> so, you know, fast forward to 1990 and I happened to meet up with a ballistics detective uh, that worked on my case. And, um, you know, he told me uh, the one thing that sticks out uh, that from what he told me was uh, he put in a report that uh based on, I guess, the wildness of the shoot of the bullets, um, it was either a 90-pound weakling or, um, or a woman. Uh, God, that's interesting. Again, no internet. What do you do with this? Fast forward uh, to 93, and, you know, you alluded to the, um, the, some of the interviews that Berkowitz did in jail. Well, he, he did them with Maury Terry. So Maury Terry, uh, in 93, he did a series of interviews and um, at, at one point in the interview, he point blank asked David Berkowitz, did you shoot Carl Denaro? And <clears throat> Berkowitz's reply was no. And he said, do you know who did? And he said, yes. And he goes, was it a man? And he said, no. Was it a female? And he said, yes. So those yeah. three points of interest kind of got me on, on the uh, conspiracy bandwagon, if you will. Um, and then two years or a year after that i actually met maury uh we did a, a tv show a geraldo tv show together and um we uh we met in a restaurant the limo picked us up brought us to the studio and by the time the show started uh, maury and i had become like best of friends and um and that that friendship remained uh intact uh and viable uh until his uh, untimely death in 2015 now, now he was a uh, he was a reporter on the beat, but he wasn't a he wasn't a crime reporter uh, when the, during the 76, 77. He was uh, like a, a technology reporter, correct? A tech reporter. Yeah, he worked. Yeah. He worked for IBM and writing technical uh, manuals. And uh, occasionally, I think he did some uh, speeches for some of the executives. But uh, yeah, he's he, you know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't your he certainly wasn't a true crime reporter. And um uh, at the time when Son of Sam started, um, he wasn't even a, a newspaper writer. Wow. So he, uh, so yeah, that, and so he just found something to sink his teeth in and just, and just went with it. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, there was a lot of, uh, um, just to go back to, uh, back in, uh, like when they caught Berkowitz, August 10th, 77, um, one of the things that 
everyone said. I mean, it was a talk of the town the next day. Uh, all, all the sketches that the police had put out uh, over the previous 13 months, uh, which I believe were nine that were released. Uh, one of them looked just like Barkowitz. The other eight looked nothing like Barkowitz. And I'm not talking about hairstyle. I'm talking about facial, you know, uh, you know, fa facial high cheekbones, uh, you know, chubby, chubby face, uh, you know, flat nose, pointed nose, um, and very distinct, you know, and everyone, you know, everyone, when they read the paper the next day, were saying, there's something screwy here. That's not the guy, you know, that the guy they arrested is not the same guy. But everyone kind of, including myself, kind of just said, well, you know, the cops must be right and, and let's move on. And then, you know, Barkowitz admitted to everything. So that kind of solidified it. Uh, but you got to give Maury Terry credit for um, taking that little piece of evidence. And uh, there was some other, other things that he didn't think was right. Like the timelines didn't match up. And um, that's what he, he really started investigating the day that Berkowitz was arrested. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, anyone that's involved in Son of Sam um, research, uh, you might not agree with everything Maury said, but you certainly have to uh, tip your hat to him for um, for delving into it where nobody else even thought to delve into it. Yeah, documenting it the way he did, and I, and when I was researching it, just it struck me because I that's one of the things I'd I'd never heard the alternate uh, the alternate theories, but even um, one of the other uh, victims, uh, uh, Violante, if I don't want to mm -hmm. I don't want to destroy his his uh, yeah that's name, that's it. yeah. But uh, he said that he even noticed that the the guy who was parked in front of me said he described somebody who did not look even remotely close to Berkowitz. So the eyewitness. Uh, said it wasn't even said it wasn't even close at the time that they that they wrapped him up um so yeah. it's uh it's just fascinating work and that makes the the book just uh just just amazing to to read and and it was interesting you you mentioned that uh, you don't consider yourself a writer you just uh being uh being the outspoken person you are you just had a story that you thought people needed to hear and it sounds like part of that uh, was was uh to make sure uh, mr terry got got his uh got what he deserved as far as the, the recognition for putting that out there and, and trying to, uh, trying to, to help uh, substantiate him a little bit. Yeah. Um, it actually, uh, me writing the book actually precedes that. Um, what happened was uh, my, one of my sisters who I'm very close with, uh, we're 11 months apart. We've been best friends since, since we're like three, four years old. Um we were just shooting a breeze one day and um, I mentioned something about, well, you know, a woman shot me. And she said, what are you talking about? You know, David Berkowitz shot you. And I said, don't you remember 1993 Berkowitz said on TV that a woman shot me and <clears throat> either she didn't see it or she didn't remember. And, but that was like a red flag went up. And I said, if my own sister doesn't know the story, then, you know, I, I get to get the word out. The next thing that happened was um, my daughter was a film student and um, she had to do a, 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 her senior thesis and she had to make a short film and she decided to do a short film on me. Um, and so starting that, she, she interviewed me, she interviewed my sisters and she interviewed my friends. And uh, I was... Uh, involved in the whole process and um, by the time 
she had enough information to write a script. Um, I'm like, basically she convinced me I had a story to tell. So those two things started getting me thinking about writing a book. And then the third, the third piece was the Maury Terry piece. And that was my friendship with Maury and how, um, you know, I met him just going on a TV show with him. Um, I'm forever grateful to Maury for keeping, for, for writing the ultimate evil and also for keeping the story alive for so many years. Um, and, uh, Maury was such an interesting character. Um, and we had, I was friends with him for, I don't know, about 20, 20 years. And, uh, there's just uh, so many funny stories and, and cool stories, uh, funny stories and just hanging out with them, but also some really cool, cool stuff with, uh, you know, uh, working with him. You know, I started out kind of like of his apprentice, uh, he didn't have, um, I, I had been on the internet since 93 and, uh, he, he didn't even have a, a computer. Oh. So, you know, when I first met him, you know, we're talking about the case and he's like, what about this? And he's, so I said, you know, a lot of stuff's on the internet. Now, back then there wasn't half as much on the internet as there is now, but there was, you know, there was information like, you know, property records were on the internet. So he started sending me information like give me an address say tell me tell me who owned this property for the last 10 years uh and things like that and i really didn't know what i was doing but i could follow directions and um so i i was kind of like a student and within a couple of years i kind of i felt like i was his peer um you know i'd come up with these ideas and we we talked on the phone for two or three hours two or three times a week um, discussing the case and uh, trying to um, trying to bring it to closure, and um, so th those 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 are the three main reasons why I felt I needed to write this book. Well, and uh, and you, him him just uh, giving you those leads. Uh, think about I mean this this all went down uh, seventy seven to uh, to eighty, and he still got all those little pieces that need to be vetted, and he's still still digging through. And just uh, think about. And I, I would love to know what, what, uh, if he, like one of those addresses does it, did one day he calls you, Hey, can you check this little nugget out for me? And, and, and just did it, was there anything that just kind of blew up you guys, you guys were just tossing ideas around you throw well, something there, there, into there was, there was a few, um, I remember one address <clears throat> that I came, uh, came across and, uh, uh, and the, 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 the person that owned the house or was listed as the owner was, uh, uh, a periphery uh, and had a periphery involvement in the case. I, I don't want to say his name because um, you know his house was used for some uh, from for some drug deals and what have you. But um, uh, he certainly has, as far as I know, he has nothing to do with the shooting. So, but uh, you know, but little little things like that. Um, you know, things would just pop up and. And it was like, wow, that's that's the same person that we were looking at for, you know, for something else. So, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I apologize for being so um, vague about this, but um, oh no, be, yeah. yeah, other uh, that uh, there's one particular address that uh, that really that really popped out, and that's what I'm talking about. But again, it panned out where um, it was just, 
you know, apparently Berkowitz was at this house uh, involved in, uh, a, you know, a, fa- a fairly big drug deal, uh, yeah. you know, so. And just to just to have that experience of being able to take all that hard, you know, you know, gumshoe work he does. And then 15 years later, putting it together, using technology, which led to, you know, you fulfilling out that story. Um, just uh, I, I, I think that'd be an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, yeah, it, was, it, that, was, it was yeah. very cool. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, but to get back to uh, uh, your daughter having the uh, the fortitude to do that film project, I can't imagine. I have to imagine that there were some some uh, uh, painful times. Uh, was did, was there any any experience like that just with her he, being being willing to face that sort of stuff? I I, I give her so much credit because. Um, uh, I, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I went through it and I deal with it. She, she's got a, you know, obviously we're the same in some, uh, some ways, but um, she's not quite as um, open and, you know, uh, uh, a free spirit as I am. And um, it, it had to be, it had to be tough for her, but I, like I said, I give her so much credit uh, and mostly for me because she's the one she's the one that that made me realize that i had a story to tell um and on not really negative but on on the flip side by doing the interviews that she did uh she asked questions of me that were never asked before and um they're kind of personal things so i don't even want to get into it but mm-hmm. uh it was kind of like wow you know i never i never really looked at it that way like she was she was just bringing up personality traits of mine of how i react to things and how i raised her and um then through through the interview process um i really you know i i realized that um my life really has been shaped by what i went through when i was 20 years old yeah so yeah, very, you know, uh, very illuminating for uh, yeah, an extra yeah. uh, brand new set of eyes, literally new set of eyes, right? Compared, yeah, to, yes. compared to 1976. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, so the uh, with the uh, with Mr. Terry's theory and the, and the work that you you guys did together, um, did you ever confer with the uh, with the NYPD again or, or anybody and, and see and try to compare notes or whether was there was there a willingness to do that? Um. The short answer is no, no willingness whatsoever. In fact, I have to say, uh, in the, not well, I wasn't involved in in the eighties. Um, like I said, Maury's, I'm sorry, uh, Maury's book came out in eighty seven. I, I really wasn't involved until I actually met him in ninety four. Um, but from ninety four on. Um, we uh, more more than me, but I was involved in it too. Um, spent most of our public life defending Maury's theories on multiple shooters, um, and unfortunately, because I guess it makes good TV and good news, they would always put on an NYPD. Uh, you know, usually it was uh, Detective Joe Coffey, who has since passed away. Uh, and uh, Captain Borelli, um, they they were like the two main spokesmen for the NYPD. And basically, it was like Maury Terry's a kook. Uh, Carl Denauer doesn't know what he's talking about. And um, it got very discouraging because 
it got to the point where I, when I got asked to do an interview um, or a TV show, uh, I would ask who else is on. And if they mentioned Borelli or coffee, I just said, no, thank you. Because, um, you know, you sit there and you listen to me and say, okay, I didn't see anything the night of the shooting, but I've spent time researching and uh, I've read Maury Terry's book and here's what I think and so on and so forth. And then Joe Coffey comes on and says, you know, Maury's a kook. You know, Berkowitz is the guy. We got our man, case closed. And, uh, and now, you know, that now is the end of the show. And, and the viewers are saying, well, who are you going to believe? The, the, you know, the kid that got shot in the head and didn't see anything or a seasoned, highly decorated police officer. So, yeah. you know, so we, we, we battled that for, for years. Um, and uh, since then, we, you know, we, we've had other, uh, when I say we, I mean the, 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 the Maury Terry, son of Sam research people who believe in Maury's work. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly ha- uh, defending the theories and, and Maury's work. Um, and uh, yeah, and so it's, it's always been an uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going against the, uh, the narrative is, and, and it's unfortunate there, there couldn't be a, just a good back and forth or just a collaborative take a look yeah. at what we got. And, and if it was, if, if there's still a no, at least they took a look, you know? Well, there, there's, yeah, yeah that you're hundred percent correct. And uh, one of the problems is um the uh, police reports are um, hard to come by. Let's let's leave it at that. Um, uh, attempts have been made to get police reports. We've gotten very few. Um, although I have a new um, a new tact that I'm uh, ho- hopefully will be successful, and I can get access to um, to the uh, files of the NYPD. Um, yeah. I do have uh, just recently. We- um, we, we came across some, uh, some files from, um, from Yonkers police department, which, um, it, it, there's nothing, there's no smoking gun in those, but, uh, at least we are get, starting to get some, some files. <clears throat> yeah. But, and, uh, and like, uh, when you, when you say you were being mentored by Mr. Terry, he gives you these little tidbits, you chase them down there might be just a shred in one of those files that's either corroborating or not corroborating. So at least, you know, any little shred could either lead you uh, deeper in or could, could, oh, uh, could right. put a point. Yeah. Put a right. point. Out and I, I am open and I'm, I'm, I've been on record, uh, including in my book. Um, I, I don't agree with everything Maury said. Um, I, I agree with his, um, his main thesis of uh, multiple shooters. Uh, you know, the, uh, the smaller facts, uh, intricacies, you know, um, uh, I, you know, sometimes it's a stretch of imagination. Um, and like I said, I think Maury laid out his, his main thesis. He laid out with, um, with a lot of circumstantial evidence that, you know, you, you could take it either way. I, I took it saying, man, this is, it, this is spot on. It all makes sense. Um, there's some things that Maury said that, that um, aren't really backed up with uh, with it, with that much evidence, or or to me, good enough evidence. So I'm always open. I'm always open to. Um, I don't think anyone's ever ever going to convince me um, that Maury Terry was 100 percent wrong. Um, 
because you know I just don't think that's true. But you know, did he make mistakes here and there? Without a doubt. And um, you know, the guy, you know, the guy did spend. Uh, let me see. Approximately, I guess approximately nine nine years of research, and then he started writing his book. And um, I know from writing my book, it, it had to take him at least uh, close to a year. Uh, and I'm sure he did some research in between. So what you know, we're talking we're talking um, eleven years uh, before his book came out. So it wasn't some slipshod thing that he just slapped together. Yeah, yeah. Just, so, it wasn't. It was backed up. It was backed yeah. up by by a lot and, of hard work. Right. And to, to go back to what, what, what you said, uh, as far as the tidbits of information, um, uh, that's very true. And uh, it's it's exciting. But it's also it also makes um, makes this, this work so difficult because things that you things that I read 20 years ago meant nothing to me. And then something comes across my desk today, you know, say a name or something. And um now all of a sudden, what I read twenty years ago makes more sense, and you know I haven't come up with a uh, with a system to uh, to to record all this stuff. I just have I have stacks of files, and most of it's in my head. To be quite honest with you, you know, some some somebody will call me up or send me an email saying, "Hey, did you ever hear of this guy?" And I'm like, "Oh man, that rings a bell." And I, I go digging through my boxes of, you know, looking for an email or looking for some research that I did 20 years ago. Um, so it, it, it makes it makes it difficult. But um, it's like I said, you know, I, I, I guess my main goal, my main goal is to find out why I was shot, who shot me and how was I selected? Was it pure randomness? Did they follow me? Um, that that's like a burning question for me. Um, if yeah. I could solve the case or, or have other people indicted that were involved, that would be just great. But I'm a realist. And I, I realized 45 years later, if, if people have gotten away with what they got away with, um, the chances of me breaking the case is, is kind of slim to none. Yeah. But that, I mean, but that pursuit, that pursuit's never, never a bad thing. You know, even in, as long as you're, you know, it's still serving your purpose. It's, it's, uh, that's all that matters. As long as, uh, as long as you're still on the search and, and, uh, hopefully you find satisfaction, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. yeah. That's And again, yeah. as, as you said earlier, um, it hasn't consumed my life. Um, yeah. I think I'd be in, I don't even think we'd be having this conversation if um, if I became, you know, like a hermit and uh, quit my job and, you know, lived lived in a lived in a shack down by the river, you know, yeah. uh, just, you know, spending all my time uh, obsessing over the son of Sam. Yep. And and for you to have that instinctual drive when at, you know, 21, 22 years old to just make that distinction in your life is a I don't think that's something you can teach. I think that's a, that seems to me like it was, it's some innate ability for you to, for you to make that yes. step and move on. You know, yeah. that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Well, sir, we've been, I don't want to keep you all night. I imagine you've got, uh, you've got stuff to do. I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk I just to me. Wanted, Is there, yeah. Yeah. I just I, want to say one, 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 I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm, nope, I'm not at all. I wanted to make sure you got everything, everything, anything else you wanted to say. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to, um, to, to let your your uh, your listeners uh, know that um, uh, the, the obviously you know we've discussed this the case is uh, we're st I'm still researching along with uh, a bunch of other people researching the case and uh, back in uh, November of last year 
I visited uh, David Berkowitz. And I, uh, I had that on my list to ask you about the correspondence. Sorry. That's yeah, all right. Get that's it. quite yeah. all right. I, I, I think it's important. Um, I, I've, I, you know, I've sent emails. We, we've exchanged emails um, for about two years now. And um, eventually it led to um, an actual meeting, um, uh, which was a week before Thanksgiving of last year. And uh, I spent three and a half hours with uh, David Berkowitz. Uh, and let me tell you, it, 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 it was not any, as easy as it might sound. It was kind of nerve wracking, even though I don't believe David Berkowitz shot me. I do believe David Ber Berkowitz was on the site and, and you know, uh, and, you know, was, was part of part of the group that that uh, shot me. Um, it was very unnerving, but it, I felt it was something I had to do. And um, he didn't really give me that much information. Um, I did ask him a lot of pointed questions. Uh, who shot me? You know, did you see it? Uh, you know, where, you know, how did you find me? And some of his answers, he wouldn't answer. Some of his answers, he basically lied. And you could tell, you could tell he was lying because he couldn't look at me. You know, yeah. we made, when we talked, we made eye contact. And when I asked him a question that he didn't want to answer, no matter what he said, he put, he would put his head down. And, um, you know, I mean, basically he told me he just drove around looking, he looked for somebody to shoot. And I told him point blank, I said, you're lying. I said yeah. that, you know, you shot me or whoever shot me 20 blocks from one of the busiest streets in Queens. Um, you know, you could have, you know, you could have drove, you know, 20 blocks away and had to pick your litter. You could have shot anyone. And instead, you you found some remote, not remote, but a residential area with no foot traffic and no car traffic. So I said, there's there's no way you just found me by mistake that, you know, yeah. so he just hung his head and and said i can't i can't so um yeah so i i'm ho hopefully i will um be able to meet with him again uh like i said i think the first meeting went well we had a few hiccups in between and i'm in the process of rebuilding a relationship with him uh and you know who, who knows like you know again we, we talked about this uh barkowitz is kind of um yeah it's kind of hard for, it's kind of hard to take what he says uh, for gospel truth because he has he has changed his story several times. He has lied, um, but I, I just feel that if he ever if he ever is going to tell the truth, uh, I think I'm the guy he's going to tell it to. Yeah, time, distance, duration uh, gives a you know maybe gives him a different perspective. And uh, and I was I remember you mentioning the correspondence, and I had in tiny little scribbles right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got talking about so many other great things. It was like, oh, because that the the correspondence you mentioned it was it uh, you didn't he you guys had a meeting set up and then he canceled. And uh, I found a quote of you saying that that uh, you didn't think there'd be anything that would come of it. Um, I didn't know you actually had to meet him in person, and that that had to take some strength. Yeah, yeah, it did, it, 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 and and I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, my knees were shaking. <laughs> I I understand that completely. Uh, well, if uh, anything else ever comes up, you ever want to you ever want to talk again, uh, hit me up. I'm more than available. I think this has been a great conversation. Okay, cool, cool. Thank you. Um, I'll and, keep uh, you posted uh, on any uh, anything new and uh, earth shattering. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I appreciate it, sir. And um, let me, uh, before we go, um, the, what, what's best for you, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any place in particular for uh, the son of Sam and me? Yeah, the easiest is Amazon, uh, <clears throat> Amazon, or uh, if, if, you know, if anyone, you can give my email address. Um, it's uh, CD, CDX2, uh, the number two, US at yahoo.com. Um, if you want a signed copy, um, it's a, it's a couple bucks more. It's $20, uh, uh you know, uh, shipping included. Thanks, sir. I'll put that in the, in the show notes. Um, do you have any social platforms, uh, any websites? Um, no, I just, just the, uh, there's, there's two Facebook groups that I administer. Uh, it's the official, the official Maury Terry ultimate evil Facebook group and, Believe it or not, the unofficial Maury Terry <laughs> Ultimate Evil Facebook group. Uh, just a quick explanation. Sure. Uh, the unofficial started first. It started back in 2008. And the only reason it's unofficial is because it wasn't sanctioned by Maury. And then in 2013, um, myself and uh, another guy, a fr friend of Maury's, and Maury decided to to do an, you know, an official page. So it's, it's a lot of the same material, a lot of the same members, but, um, the official group is a little bit more closed, um, because we've just had a lot of, um, I don't know, what do you call those people? Uh, trolls and sock puppets. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of information in the official group, uh, in our archives, uh, that is good, including some, some of the few police reports that we've, we've been able to, uh, get, um, and I just basically, I don't want to give it out to any nut weirdo winged. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> There's a, a it's lot a, of them out there. <laughs> yeah. It, it provides a lot of room for great communication and collaboration, but it's also got to have a filter yeah, <laughs> or else exactly. you, you start getting, you start getting people uh, that are a little bit outside the fringe. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, well, thank you, sir. And okay. um, uh, just to remind everybody, uh, my uh, audio book, Blood Red Ivory, comes out uh, May, May 3rd, which should be should be tomorrow. Um, so I, I can't wait to hear what you think of that. And uh, see you next time. All right. Take care.